0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally.
1: And I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. That's
0: right. So welcome to youngadults.today where we just come alongside you as a leader, you as a listener, um, whether you're at the gym, in the car, in the middle of traffic, getting your groceries, whatever you're doing. We just want to say, happy monday and we pray and hope that you are doing well
1: thanks for starting your week off strong by listening to this and streaming wherever you listen to your podcast for leading you know ratings reviews and that helps us reach more Mm -hmm. listeners with the message of young adults today hey if you know a young leader who needs some encouragement today send them this right now copy the link send it to them in a text and share that with them we're joined today by our friend dallas viva how are you
2: i'm doing great thanks for having me on i'm a listener and now i'm on the other side
0: is not that a good feeling it is like the insider edition that not many people get to see maybe
1: (laughs) and you know what we had this moment where like we uh we realized like somebody told us they were listening to our podcast we had no idea. And so for us and for you today, Dallas, like, we don't know who's listening, but we're trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to encourage them, mm-hmm. fill them up. And um, so thanks for joining us, man.
2: Yeah, it's a pleasure, honor. I'm excited.
1: And for those of you tuning in, Dallas Viva is the pastor of singles, college students, and 20s, 30s at Mariners Church in California. So we're gonna be talking about two Mm -hmm. things. The first is building teams. And the second part of our conversation is gonna be on developing leaders. So you might be in a role like Dallas where you oversee college students, 20s and 30s, singles, young adult ministry, Mm -hmm. and you're not alone. And the Holy Spirit is gonna illuminate our prayer, is that the Holy Spirit is gonna illuminate people Mm -hmm. that you can dream with and build a team with. And also that um, there can be a development and growth process that we all wanna be infinite, lifelong learners. Right, babe?
0: That's so true, that is so true.
1: So Dallas, can we just kick it to you? And for us, for the listener, can you just help us? Our paths, by the way, crossed in the Facebook group called Young Adult Ministry Leaders. There's Mm -hmm. 2,100 and some of you that are a part of that group. So, um, but that's where our paths crossed out. And can you just maybe let us know how you found that Facebook group and uh, tell us a little bit of your story? Yeah,
2: I found the Facebook group because I was looking for someone. Is there anybody who has the same job as me? Like there, there's sometimes we can put it up in our mind where we're like, I'm, I'm probably the only one who has this job. It's kind of like the people who are showing up every weekend in your ministry. I'm probably the only person with this story. The enemy loves to play that lie. So right. I'm, I'm like, oh man, is there anybody that I can relate with? Um, you of when you get on your own Island and you don't do a good job of networking and connecting with other leaders, um, there's like insecurity sets in or the other way, like, Insane amounts of pride. We're like, oh, I'm the great. So I was just trying to find any resources in any way to connect with anyone. So that's where I found the Facebook group. I was like, I got to join this. Uh, and it's been super great to connect with people. And also, um, it's like steal resources. Like, wow, that is super cool. I want to see if I can do that for my people. So, all of you on the Facebook group, thank you for blessing a ministry you've never heard about, probably very far away from you. So,
1: yeah.
0: So and great. then that's incredible. Yeah,
2: my my journey towards towards leadership um, and the church. I grew up in the church. Uh, I can't remember a season of my life where I wasn't a part of the church. My dad played bass in the band, so every weekend we were going to church. That was was never an option to not go to church. Uh, so always going to church. And then in high school ministry, one day the worship leader called out and my youth pastor, who is now my brother-in-law, interesting dynamic for another day, another story for another day, Um, said, hey, I need you to lead worship. And I jumped into leading worship and that started my path to ministry was someone throwing me into the fire and interned at a church, went to a Christian university where I got a degree in music, specifically classical guitar. And I minored in biblical studies. So my whole beginning journey to ministry was always music, but I somehow, every church I've ever been a part of, I somehow always find my way back to young adults, find my way sneaking in there like, Hey, you guys need any help or Hey, there's nothing here. Can I start something? Uh, So that's typically what I always end up doing. And I was, I was working at a church in Michigan and a good friend of mine. Uh, said, Hey, can I have an honest conversation with you? I was like, sure. Like I trust you. He said, I think you are a great leader who happens to play music. And this was a frustration inside of, I don't know if I'm called to worship ministry. And this dude in the most loving way had the bold and honest conversation with me that answered my prayers within me. I said, my goodness, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. And now I'm going to start chasing after My calling. So it kind of led me to what do I do now applied for a job at Mariners. It was working with life groups. I didn't really understand the role, but I was like, great adult ministry. I get to work with people still amazing. And it led to me being oh, okay, well, I'll start a singles ministry. Uh, Okay, well, young adults don't really like the word single. So we'll start a young adults, uh, started doing that. And then most recently, uh, it's been taking over the college ministry. So that's kind of where I'm at, at Mariners church, Southern California. Um, so, so, so honored and blessed to work at this church. Uh, God's hand of favor is just over this church. He's doing incredible things. So it's, it's just great to be a part of it. And that's, that's my brief journey.
0: Dallas, that's amazing. And random question, where are you originally from?
2: I am from Orange County, California, so Southern California. Okay. Uh, so kind of down the street from where I work now.
0: Okay. So, cause it's so cute. I was curious in regards to this, what have you seen like across the different, I don't know, areas because between Michigan and California, that's a big gap and they're very different cultures when it comes to one, I think, understanding the young adult um, culture; two, being able to minister to them; and three, doing it effectively.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How have you been able to do that? And in two different places, we know that young adults matter to God, so they they should matter to us, and they should matter to the church, like any other people group or you know, we don't want to say siloed group, but any other age demographic, but why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important? And how have you seen that play out maybe in different or similar ways from Michigan to California or any other experience you have with like different regions?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, uh, there's a the big difference between Southern California and in Michigan, specifically where I was at. Um, I, I remember my first day showing up to lead worship, and it was my first weekend at work in Michigan. It was snowing. I was like, Oh man, this is, it's mother's day. Like why, why is it snowing? When I left California, it was like 80. So just my (laughs) immediately mind blown. And I was wearing Vans and skinny jeans and I show up day one and everybody's looking at me like, are you okay? Uh, so understanding, learning, a, a new culture, uh, I think one of the most challenging things in Southern California is the amount of things that I'm having to compete with. Yeah, mm-hmm. is I'm yeah. competing with everything. Traffic, and you can get <laughs> you're competing with traffic as well. The amount of text messages that I get. Oh, hey, there's a there's a wreck on you know insert any one of the major freeways around here. I'm going to be late. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm constantly competing, and there wasn't as much competition, but there, it was, it was different in, in the Midwest, a different type of, of ministry. And I was working, um, near Michigan state university. So man, the questions that people were asking, I was competing with other things. I was competing with going to a Michigan state football game, going to a Michigan state, uh, basketball game. I was competing with hunting season. So like the competitions, like no matter where you live, you're going to compete with culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just your way about that. I can't take what I learned in Southern California and just expect that's what I'm going to compete with. You have to understand your culture, understand, okay, what are the things that I'm going to compete with? If I brought hunting season to Southern California, like, all right, I'm going to plan around hunting season. Everybody would look at me like, what are you doing? So it's, it's learning, learning the different cultures, uh, you're gonna compete with something. Understand your competition uh, before you before
1: you jump in.
0: That's so good.
1: And the competition, mm-hmm. by the way, is not other churches. It's not other no. ministries. It's like you no. said. Right. You know, Even we went to a great gym, and the guy there, you could tell he read books. He was the manager of that gym, and he goes, listen, my competition isn't LA Fitness, it isn't Experience, mm-hmm. it isn't, and he just started listing other gyms. He goes, my competition is Netflix. Yeah, right and he he gets it like I think that it's similarly at least that's what I'm hearing you describe is that you know what we're on the same team we actually have the opportunity to collaborate with Mm -hmm. other Christian ministries with other churches with uh, within our community and beyond and so the competition is actually the enemy and he's there to steal to kill to destroy to divide and um so man Dallas you've expressed a couple different expressions of young adult ministry why do you believe that discipleship efforts Mm -hmm. for the next generation and just the faith of the next generation things like college 20s and 30s young adult ministry why do you think it's so important
2: they are asking our young adults are asking the greatest questions they are hungry they're hungry for authenticity they're hungry for uh you know are you, are you struggling? No, they're asking me the question. Are you actually struggling with anything or are you on a pedestal? Mm -hmm. Like, are you better? Are you talking down to me or are you struggling uh, too? So it's, it's being vulnerable with my people. And I, I love that. I love the authenticity. I love the hunger. I love the passion. I mean, these are people who are influencers, these are business owners, these are the people who can send one Instagram post and thousands of people are reached. Like, it's mind boggling to think that. And as I think of the future of these people, these are the people who are going to be leading other people in in the Workplace. They're going to be the CEOs leading a team of people. They're going to be the influencers in their companies. These are the people down the road who are going to be elders of churches who are going to be spiritually leading churches so it's not just the moment that we have with them right now, but also look at the potential that they could have It's the season that you have with them to invest into them, to disciple them, to help them see that, okay, if culture is saying this, we can almost guarantee that what scripture says is the opposite. You know, sometimes we we would refer to it like stranger things, uh, the upside down, like that's what God's word is. God's word is the upside down. It's, it's completely different. So it's helping people with these, with these things that they are facing and dealing with, you know, one of, one of the things that I probably quote the most is Matthew 18 and how Jesus handles conflict. That is like, if you open my Bible, there's probably just a crease right there because I'm always in Matthew 18 because culture says, when you have conflict, you cut that person off, you leave them, you don't tell them why you cut them off. And so I help them understand, Hey, here's what Jesus, literally Jesus's words are. This is how you, This is how you handle this conflict. So I I love that they're hungry and open and willing to go down that conversation. It's beautiful.
0: Like that's so good to recognize that. And I think when we live in a cancel culture or a cutout culture or a cookie cutter culture, whatever you want to say, it's like we're trying to do the next best thing as leaders and pastors and and people and just really wanting to strengthen our relationship with God in the process to be the light in a dark season for our future selves or the people around us. And I just love that you even went there saying like, hey, like I wrote down their things, like they're asking questions, they're hungry, they're authentic, or they want authenticity, they're passionate. And I think I really value this generation because they're willing to ask hard, challenging questions that cause hopefully us as leaders to even dig deeper in our own faith to be like, wait, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but let's find out together and let's grow together and do that. And granted, like as a listener, whether you're leading a Bible study that's 10 or you're leading the tens of thousands, like the sheep that God has placed before you, they all matter. Right. And as we grow as leaders, our ability to reach all of them shrinks like they just gets smaller. I can't reach 10,000 people eyeball to eyeball conversation once a week. But I can equip the people who do have these significant platforms, who are desiring more of what God has for them, and lead them and point them to, like you said, Matthew 18, to how do we confront? How do we come alongside? How do we ask questions? When Jesus found himself in situations or when he was being challenged, he would come at them with a question. You know, like, so how do we be leaders that have thick skin, but a soft, tender heart to reach the people God has placed before us while equipping the saints? to do God's ministry that are attending our services, right? And Dallas, I'm so curious as a leader, Uh, we can't take people where we haven't been that's something that we believe like i was a personal trainer for many years and i i can't tell somebody to do 50 jump squats if i'm not willing to do them beside you that was just a (laughs) a rule i had it was just like if i can't do it i'm not going to make you do it but i'm going to do it beside you if if this is something that you want and i think sometimes young adults want a one-on-one pastor so as a leader how do we how do we create not create individuals, how do we create opportunities for others to experience the fullness of who God's created them to be and feel that empowerment? But how have you particularly um, been stretching and growing as an infinite leader? We believe that leaders um, are learners and they're readers how have you been growing and stretching as an individual leader yourself and how would you encourage the person who may be in a similar role as a listener as as we are obviously but how how do we do that how do we continue to grow and stretch and almost be uncomfortable when the world says we should live in complete luxury
2: (laughs) yeah uh this is what i love is that people are also like my people are asking me this question too like they they just want to soak everything in. And my job is to like, okay, you've taken all this in now let's go to applying what it is. Yeah. So one of the things is, is reading. Uh, I, I kind of take a, an approach to, to learning like a yearly approach. So last year, my focus for the year of 2021 was spiritual leadership. So I got a a couple books on spiritual leadership. I'm not the type of person who's going to read, you know, 50 books in a year. Um, I'm like, I'm gonna read six books a year. And what I do is I take those books and I will take a chapter and I'll make like a leadership development talk out of it. And then I go and apply it. Cause I know if I just go and give my volunteers books, they are not going to read these books. They will stack up and get dust. So if I can teach them out of the books, uh, that's what I try to do. So last year was spiritual leadership. This year is all about coaching. I, I really want to be a better coach. So I grabbed a stack of books. I researched in December, what are some great books on coaching, reached out to a few people and they're not necessarily like Christian authors. Uh, so getting a different perspective, it has been really, really fun, but I'm learning how to be a better coach. And if I can be a better coach, then I implement that with my volunteer team. Then they become a better coach to the people underneath them. So I set the tone. I'm going to go all out, knowing that even if my leaders catch seventy percent of that, amazing. Then those leaders are going to catch, you know, forty percent of what I'm doing. I'm setting the tone. So that's that's kind of the professional side of coaching. The other side is, I uh, I subscribe to Theosu, which is like an online. Th- it's like Netflix theology. Awesome. So I spend. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Uh, the guys are really funny. Uh, it's it's more of an open-ended. We're going to teach you how to think. Not this is exactly it. Uh, I I just love it. So I'll wake up in the morning, open my iPad, spend 20 minutes someone teaching me through the Book of Romans, and then I go and read it. So it takes me a while to read the Book of Romans, but I mean my Bible has notes everywhere. I got to like a piece of paper over here, writing notes. So that's how I'm growing in my own time. And then I'm so blessed that our senior pastor wants to invest into us as a pastoral team. So we're reading as a pastoral team through the book issues facing Christians today by John Stott. So once wow. a month we're reading through a chapter of that and we are discussing it and it's, it's really, really beneficial. It's a tough read, but it's really beneficial to read that book, sit down with the whole pastoral team and just hash it out. Hey, how are you seeing this? What do you think? Um, and our senior pastor is kind of leading us through a discussion, teaching on that. So those are kind of my three areas. I'm growing with others as a pastoral team. I'm growing in my vertical
1: relationship with the Lord. And then I'm growing to hopefully invest horizontally.
0: That's awesome.
1: Dallas, that is awesome. And inspiring too. you know, like so many thoughts on that. I uh, we have a bookshelf downstairs, and I always pull books out that maybe I've read before. I want to read again, or it's like almost like it's calling off the shelf to me. <laughs> it just piques my interest or curiosity. And on coaching there's two books I have written by John Wooden, like one mm-hmm. of the, it's March Madness at the time of recording That's right. basketball season. And uh, one of the winningest coaches of all time. And mm-hmm. I've read his um, pyramid for success and just like some of his best thoughts on coaching. So um, I have those two like pulled out that I want to read soon. So mm-hmm. resonate with that. And, and the other thing too, Dallas is, I read a story about a pastor who every week would read a few books. And mm-hmm. throughout his like 30, 40 years of ministry, he like, I never met this guy, but I read his story and it was like he read thousands of books and his messages. He never used an illustration with any of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like his congregation was clueless that he ever mm-hmm. read any of them because he wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. sharing what he learned with others or applying it. And I'm thankful for early on in my life in ministry, my pastor knew I was a reader and a, (laughs) a learner, and he knew that I had that passion. So he was always challenging me, how are you sharing what you're learning with others? make sure your assignment this week, share Mm -hmm. what you've learned with others, whether he'd have me share with Mm -hmm. our pastoral staff or our young adult Mm -hmm. leaders, just, he really was on my case about make sure you're Mm -hmm. sharing what you're learning with others. So I love that. I really do. And, you (laughs) know, go ahead. Well,
2: it just helps us retain. Like I can read a book and have, you know, a hundred highlights, but if I can take what I've read, I try to write it in like a, one to two page write up. And when I have a volunteer leadership meeting, I print that out and I hand it out. I walk through it and it's me teaching the content. So if I'm teaching it, I'm implementing and I'm learning and I'm growing and now I'm investing into it. So everybody
1: is winning. There's a case for maybe teaching might be the best teacher. Seriously? When you when you share mm-hmm. what you've learned with others, you kinda of, there's the concept of mastery that you have to have it somewhat mastered before you can truly share it with others. There's an internalization process and I know yeah. that at Mariner's Church you're leading a number of ministries, college ministry most recently, as well as you call it singles, twenties, thirties. And so maybe set us up with First of all, like what that looks like on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis as far as young adults. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you can talk about in the process too, like what's your process of volunteers and teams and structure? Because we want to get to a point where we hear from you how you're empowering young yeah. adults to serve and lead.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, the way, the way it's it structured out right now is I have college ministry, so college-aged and then we have twenties, thirties, and then we have singles ministry. So twenties, thirties, people in their twenties and thirties, post-college would immediately go right into singles ministry. We would have a singles event, hundreds of people in the room and like 12 people in their twenties and thirties. No one was showing up. I'm like, what is going on? So I, I spent a lot of time talking with people and they were like, we are never going to go to that. So, okay, great. Good learning. Good learning. So we started a 20s 30s, and here we are, like a year and a half later, and now we have hundreds of people showing up just for 20s 30s. It's that post college, uh, people are getting married. I have, I have I'm officiating seven weddings this year. Like people are just getting married like crazy, which is beautiful. Uh, friendships are being formed. It it's a beautiful ministry for our church, and it brings so much excitement. So college 20s 30s. Singles ministry. So, anybody at our church who's like 18 to 80 and doesn't really have a ring on their finger will more than likely hang out with me for a long time. Uh, But the way it's structured is uh, as of right now, I there is no staff. I am the one staff member over all that. So, the only possible way, the only way to do that is to have leadership, like to have volunteer teams around you. So, I have core leadership teams. So these are the people that I got a group chat with. These are people that are uh, coming over to my house that you know my family, that I'm, I'm investing heavily into them. They have access to me, but those, those are my people. They are the movers and shakers. They are the people that are leading all the volunteer teams there. They have people underneath them. They have their own structures. They're running their own meetings. I invest down into them. So this is, this is stuff that I I absolutely love doing it. Um, if I, if I had a whole day, eight hour day, and I had a one hour, like counseling session, I would be exhausted for the day. If I had an eight hour whiteboard strategy meeting, I could probably push that to a 12 or 14 hour day. Like that's how excited, uh, I get, but I, I love it because they're, they're necessary. And I view ministry as a funnel. So there's, there's two sides of the funnel. There's the funnel of people who are walking in and there's the, on the other side is the leadership funnel. So at the top of the funnel, that's the easiest thing for your, for people in your ministry to do. That's the big event. That's the weekend service. Make it as easy as you can start with the top of the funnel, but you have to understand you have to know what is the bottom of the funnel. What what's the thing that you're pointing people to? If it's just an event, if you're if you're just having an event as a cul de sac, like oh no, th- this is the thing. Yeah, why? Okay, well, our people are asking, what's more? How do I grow? How do I grow more? How do I get go deeper into this? So having the funnel. So top of the funnel would be I'll, I'll use twenties thirties as our example. Once a month we have a gathering. That's the top of the funnel. Come, hang out, have fun. Every month we pick a new topic and it's it's like a cross between a message and a Ted talk really practical and show up to that. And then afterwards we'll probably have like a volleyball night, like scheduled the next day. We always plan some, there's always a next step. We always plan with the next step in mind. So we know if I can get you to this event, I'm going to try to get you to volleyball night tomorrow night, which means you'll probably go to church that weekend, which means you're getting into the life of the church, which is exactly what I want from there. I am going to make sure that we have events that line up with start of life groups. I want everyone to be in a life group. We would say we have a life we always have a life group for you. So getting people into that life group uh, and then getting on a volunteer serve team. And when, so when you look at the back end of the funnel for leadership and volunteering, something as simple as hey, I'm going to hold this sign that says welcome like, the cool pop signs that everybody has trendy, like cool Instagram filter, like you're going to start there, which is a great place to start. But if in six months you're still there, either I'm not doing my job well enough um, or you are unwilling to take that deeper step. So there is, I don't want someone sitting holding a sign for six months. How can I move them down? And, And so for my volunteer leadership funnel, the end of that funnel is going to be, I want you to be leading something, some part of the ministry, and I want you to be leading someone. Not everybody's going to make it there, but I want you to be leading something, some part of the ministry, and I want you to be leading someone. I want you to have a team of people that you are investing into. So that's my hope with the funnel. And with every step, we're going to help them. We're going to invest into those teams to help someone continue to take those steps No one shows up on night one and goes, oh, I'm here. And all of a sudden they go to the bottom end of the funnel. If someone will ask me that, which I get that all the time, like, I love this ministry. Like I want to do, you know, they have a million ideas, a million miles an hour. Uh, I always make them wait. I I push the brakes on them. I take them through the funnel um, because I want them to understand here's why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Understand the ministry first, do the funnel.
0: Yes, I made a sketch, not that the audience needs to see it, but I did make a sketch and that's the ultimate goal. She she drew some good (laughs) notes. To um, get them leading something and someone. And I think we've come across it too. Maybe as a listener, you've come across where somebody comes in and they're on fire. Maybe they're transitioning churches. They're just moving to town and they're like, I love your ministry. And it's like, they want the keys to the building so they can have the next event, you know, like under their vision. And you're like, okay, pump the brakes here. Time out, time out, time out here's who we are Mm
2: -hmm.
0: here's what we're doing Mm -hmm. here's how we do it here's how you can get involved and it's not like an org chart of like do this then do that i need to know that number one you are bought in with christ and that your vision and your values align with the direction of where this ministry is going because we don't want you to run rogue under our leadership quote unquote (laughs) and we don't like we don't want you to be like running wild. So I think one thing is like seeing where people are and what we're seeing and what we're praying for is a generation that is understanding the time it takes to truly invest. Like, are you planting roots here? Like, are you gonna be a deep well and a tree with deep roots? Or maybe you're here for a season and you just feel like you're this little potted plant and you're gonna be sitting on the counter for the next two years of school. Or maybe you're in a job transition and you're just sitting here. You can still get involved, but we just don't know to what extent. So so to take them through an organizational leadership or whatever, and one tactic that Josiah and I've used, if I should just share really quick is, I used this back in North Dakota when I was there. I presented at Josiah when we were not even dating yet. We were just doing ministry together. Because we kept see people, see like they would just fall through the cracks. Or they'd be so plugged in and we're like, okay, but what are they teaching at Bible study? And you really like, you're, you, the concern goes up because you're like, well, they're doing something. Well, you don't know if it's good and aligns with us or if it's rogue and they're taking them where we don't want them to go. Like you just sometimes don't know, right? so what we did is we really started investing in the process of hey attend a life group for three months if you are fully committed for those 12 weeks you're showing up you're on time you're all these different things and your goal is ultimately to lead a life group we're going to first have you number one attend a life group attend sunday services Number two was, okay, if you do that, we could potentially have the conversation of you co-leading a group. So nobody's leading a group of, of, alone and feeling like they're carrying the burden, right? And just trying to process all of that. You can become a co-leader to try to hold up the arms, carry the conversations when you have those really awkward lulls, when people are like, uh, we don't know how to answer that question. Okay, you come in with your story, co-leader, and you, you're, you're the first one there to pray with us and you're the last one to leave kind of type thing. And then after that three months, which is a total of six months, then we may have the conversation of you leading a group yourself, but you need to have been bringing people along in the process. Meaning by the time you start a life group, you should almost have a co-leader. So it's it's between six and nine months that you're going to have to walk through these, I don't know, stages, just so you understand the process and can honor the system. Now where we're at, that really worked with us because people were taking root here. They're like, well, I'm here to stay you know, or I'm here for the next four years. So there's a time commitment on the level of time they were actually going to be in the area. But then working on a college campus, we sometimes we only have, one semester with students that we're reaching out a to year
1: or maybe two
0: yeah or maybe two years four if it's a unique case that they've teamed up with a four-year program so it's like how do we get people in the door when the revolving door is swinging so fast like we're like who's that kid we don't know we don't know we don't know okay they're here to stay come on out you know and you're just trying to identify who are those people and i would just say like how do you when you're trying to lean and obtain and sustain leadership dallas how do we doing how do we do that with ongoing trading and leadership development outside of our own church walls like how do we get them growing um and encourage them to seek god not just on a sunday not just on a thursday night in a life group not just when we're all together living this life of community how do we get it beyond the walls or the opportunities of events that we have provided as leaders and pastors does that make sense
2: how do we get people to live out what we're teaching outside of the church yes is is that what you're asking yeah
0: yeah
2: Mm -hmm. one one of my things with leadership is i want to be super practical so a book that a book that i read in college um was communicating for a change with Andy Stanley love and that he it's, it's so simple. And he's like, Hey, I have one point. Like it was always the one point thing. So anytime I teach, I, I'm a one point person. Um, I want people to walk away and almost annoyed. Like, okay, you said this line 40 times tonight. And I'm like, but did you remember it? Are you going to live it out? So, one of the things that we've uniquely done with, with our ministry is we want to have an impact on our local surroundings. So we went into a public sports league where we have a volleyball team, three-time champions. Don't want to make a big deal out of that, but one of our guys is like 6'8", um, so <laughs> kind of helps us. Um, yeah. But we, we join all these public sports teams and we've kind of created a code of conduct. Here's what we do. We pray before every game and we always invite the other team. Hey, uh, we're from Mariners Church. We wear Mariners. We want to invite you in. We're just, we're just gonna pray. Um, you are more than welcome to join. Uh, and we give everybody these cards. I I send my volunteer team with cards and it's an active QR code. So anytime we have an upcoming event, the QR code, we don't have to reprint, the QR code just changes. So I help my people go out into the community. We've created something where we are seen in the community and it's been so beautiful to see people show up to our events where like you were the guys who prayed for me like a guy showed up a couple weeks ago like hey a couple months ago your volleyball team prayed for me before a game and I was so inspired by that I took this card I've been holding on to it and I just decided I wanted to come tonight So we have volleyball teams, we have softball teams, we have kickball teams. So it's, it's one way of getting people out into the community. And like on the back end, it's another strategy that I have is women are the superior species that will show up to anything. And men are so challenging. Men will only show up to very specific things. Uh, So we've kind of created a ministry where we do a lot of outdoor activities just to get men to show up. And it's, it's really been beautiful. That's a whole nother strategy, but we are going out into our world. We sent a team to Mexico uh, this weekend. We are sending a large team to Kenya this month. So we're we're helping people get out into it, into the community. We do volleyball nights at the beach where we set up an easy up and we're just playing volleyball. I don't, I always push back on my team when they want to have events here at campus because we have a large, beautiful campus. It's amazing, but it doesn't really help us evangelize and have conversations. So I push my team so hard to go out beyond the walls, do whatever you would do here, do it there. Um, You know, there's always the guy who has the guitar, somehow, everywhere we go. Um, He's always there. Uh, We have a boombox. We've prayed with people on volleyball nights. We, we have such great relationships with local restaurants because we'll call ahead like, Hey, we're bringing like 50 people. Are you okay with that? And now they're texting us like, Hey, when's the next time you guys think you can come? Uh, So we're building relationships with local people, but it's just taking what we're doing and going out. So it's going to the beach on Saturday night. We had a group there. We popped up an easy up that said Mariners church. Anybody walks up, my team is trained on, Hey, like you're more, come join us. I would love for you to be on my team, show them love. And next month we're doing a whole night on how to share your story. So we're walking through, uh, walking through how to like, there's the two, there's the two ledges and then to the cross in the middle. So we're practically going to walk through how to do that. And then at the end of the night, we're going to get people in groups of five and we're going to make everybody share it with the people at their group. So they're going to learn why it's important, how to do it. And then they're going to experience how to actually do it in a small group of people. So it's taking really practical training to our people. So then they can have that confidence going out whenever they need it. So that kind of a few things that we're, that we're doing.
1: Oh my gosh. Dallas, I just want to acknowledge a few things that you said that have really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And we've done 150 some of these conversations. The podcast is coming up on three years, but your degree of intentionality just resonates Mm -hmm. so deeply. Like what I mean is there was one point in our conversation with you where you're like, Hey, People were coming, nobody was coming to the singles. There was hundreds of people, but it wasn't who it was maybe designed for or we were trying to minister to. So you know what you did? You asked people in their 20s and 30s who were single, hey, where are you? Like, are you coming? Are you not, I'm never coming to that. Why not? Okay, what would you come to? And you listened to them. Right. And you gave the next generation a voice, but you valued them in the process. I think about the what we've just heard about your intentionality with structure, with systems, with administration, ministry, with organization. Each event has that next step. Right. Your teams They're equipped with QR codes that actually work, that actually change. So maybe there's less printing involved. Like you've helped think through, how could we take this throwaway card and actually extend its its life expectancy, (laughs) extend its shelf life a little bit. And um, talking to restaurants, building relationships. I think that so often we don't do that with ongoing training or leadership development. And then we ask ourselves. I don't often do that. And maybe I don't then then I often will ask, "Why is nobody coming with?" Like, "Where where are the people? Who am I leading?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm assuming that maybe they are catching more than they actually are." And mm-hmm. they're not mind readers. Right. I remember in Timothy Keller's book The Meaning of Marriage, he they went on vacation and he had kids and he was kind of dropping hints like about the library and they left. He never went and he goes, yeah, I'm so disappointed. I never visited the library. His wife goes, why didn't you ask me? I'm not a mind reader. You robbed me of the opportunity to bless you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what you've done Dallas Mm -hmm. is you've actually given people opportunities to minister. And you've given people things to, whether it was phrases or tangible takeaways to live out their faith. And to live out their calling and to take next steps and to lead courageously invest eternally and so really excited about that let me ask you this systems fire you up um, organization structure that's really rare in a role like yours and so i'm curious it could be sky's the limit but when i say what are you dreaming about or hoping for when it comes to the faith of the next generation what are you working on
2: yeah right now we are we're working on college and, and, and structures and system like that's, that's on the top of my agenda is how do I take and, and this is, this is part, you have to look at everything through the lens of your ministry. So if you, if you are listening right now and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to do that at my church. Well, listen to your church and how it works. So with, with where I'm currently at, I could have, I have up to about a hundred people a month reaching out. And that's all that's college. That's 20s, 30s That's singles, about a hundred people a month. So there's two options I could do. I could say, Oh, well, I'm going to call a hundred people. Well, I would be exhausted. I would get absolutely nothing done. My family would not enjoy me. Cause I wouldn't be around. Uh, so it's building out teams of people to go and do that building out. I have a group of people who love to like take everything, the intake and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to text these 12 people. I'm going to text these 12 people. And then they go and have the conversation uh, with life groups. It's, it's re, it's building these structures. I have the structures in place. So it's recruiting and investing into volunteers to go into these structures and to live it out. And I, what I hope it doesn't always work this way, but I hope I can find a volunteer and say, what's your sweet spot in ministry? And I can ask a couple questions like, Oh, you love to mentor people. You should be one of our life group coaches. Here's what it looks like. Let me connect you with another coach and then you two go. And then I have one coach who does all the training. So I'm kind of like the intake and I move people. Um, if someone stays connected to me, they won't stay connected to the ministry and the church. If I can connect them with two or three people, they are going out and they're probably going to have more wow. fun. Um, I'm not, I'm not the dude who walks into volleyball night and everybody's like, Dallas is here. Uh, I'm not that guy. And I know I'm not that guy, but I've recruited people who are those people. So I will show up to an event and people are, I, <laughs> I train my people so well where, where they're like, Hey, how long have you, have you been coming to Mariners? How did you get here? And it was funny. Uh, one of our last events, someone came up to me and started asking the questions to me and I was like, Oh, okay. And so I just played along, uh, And then I go up on stage and I start talking and then afterwards he's like, you didn't tell me you were like the guy who goes on stage. I was like, Hey, that's okay. You didn't ask. I just answered your questions. Uh, So (laughs) most of our, yeah, most of our life group leaders, I, I don't have a relationship with, like if we were to walk by each other, like we probably wouldn't know each other because we've created a system where they're getting fed by another volunteer who is so passionate for them. So what I'm working at building is more people into these structures, but here's the downside of all the structures is sometimes when you overstructure, and this is my downside is people become names on spreadsheets.
0: Mm.
2: And sometimes I can look at these names on spreadsheets and I don't view them as made in the image of God. I view them as a name on a spreadsheet. So that is my biggest downfall that I have to be so self-aware about and having people around me pushing, Hey, did you, did we like talk to that person? Mm-hmm. Did, did we pray for that person? Did we hear their story or did you just try to get all the details? And so I have people who are on my leadership team who are a little more direct with me, uh, who I absolutely need, I'll be offended and mad at them for a couple hours. And then I will humble myself, repent and go back to them, give them a big hug and say, I'm so thankful that you're here. So, uh, that's kind of my big thing right now is is building out these structures of teams led by volunteers, volunteer-led teams, and I'm leading the people at the top and heavily investing down into them. So it's there's always a seat for someone on the bus.
0: That's amazing. Dallas, thanks for going there. And thank you for going there with the fact that you, you, you're self-aware when you recognize like, hey, this is my pitfall. This is a downfall of myself when I realize like someone's on a name. Uh, and we never want to put a name On a spreadsheet to think like you're just a butt on the you're just a seat on the bus and your butt's filling that seat like we want you to have a space for the god-given you know Dreams that he's given you but also the giftings that your skill set is being used and utilized and you are seen and you do have a name You do have a face. You do have a seat on this bus You're not as a list or a name on a list And I think we could all be guilty of that as leaders be like do we have everybody in place? And then it's like you overlook somebody and you're like, oh wait Yes, I do Mm -hmm. need to humble myself and recognize and realize God knows them, God sees them, and I need to start seeing people like that too. And we want people to see you in a different light because we wanna do something fun. If you know the five and five, we have five questions in less than five minutes if you up for the challenge. Are you feeling good? Let's
2: do it. I'm feeling real good.
0: You're feeling real good. Okay, question number one, Dallas. What's something you're into right now as a hobby for fun? Outside of ministry, outside of ministry.
2: Outside of ministry, okay, twofold um, there's an outdoor one. I love biking. I love road biking. I'm not a mountain biker because I can take my three-year-old put them in tow. And that's typically when I listen to a podcast. Uh, so I have my like 49 minute route that about a whole one, a podcast for young adults today. So I got my route for that. Uh, I do that. And then inside, uh, inside the, the house, like I really love making pasta. My family is super Italian. And I've really, really been into making pasta. And so I will take a day off. I will make dough. Uh, I will make pasta. And it's it's a really fun way for my wife and I to to connect because she loves eating the pasta and I love making the pasta. And it's just a fun thing for our family.
0: That is a fun fact. I love it. Oh,
1: man. Hope to come chill with you at Mariners and go for a bike ride and uh, eat some pasta sometime. Come on. <laughs> Sounds Come fun. on uh what about this favorite road trip
0: snack
2: favorite road trip snack. this might gross out some listeners um i love sunflower seeds oh like i sit there and i will get the biggest cup i can find and normally that's my dickie's barbecue cup it's yellow (laughs) uh, bright standing out everybody on the road knows i'm there uh we took a it was about 11 hour road trip with two kids a three-year-old and at that time, like a six month old, uh, 11 hours to Northern California and I burned through burned through some seeds. It was more of like stress eating at sometimes, uh, when I'm pulling off to the side of the road to feed a a child or potty breaks, accidents (laughs) in the car. It's beautiful my my salvation was tested
0: yes i think that's uh something i experience every day my salvation is tested for <laughs> children yes oh, i love it okay here's another question here's the curveball um if you could ask josiah and myself one question any question what would that be today
2: i'm ready for it uh so here i am doing on like church ministry you are doing campus ministry how I have there is a large university like a mile away from where I'm at with on-campus ministries. How do I best approach? Do I start a on-campus ministry that's connected to my local church? Do I reach out to campus ministries there and work with them? How do you have the best partnership when I don't want to come in and be like, here's a we're coming in, we're the new church here. How do I honor? How do I get people? We're all on the same team.
1: Walk walk me through that. Oh my gosh. I think that's the right question, first of all, because there's a campus in need in your community, and that's on your radar, and it's on heaven's Mm -hmm. radar. These students matter so much to God and to uh, to you, to Mm -hmm. us, and I think that what I would say is to see what God, it's kind of the Blackaby model. You talk about spiritual leadership. Uh, Henry Blackaby wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership, and his whole thing was find out what God's blessing and be a part of it. So the, the place that I would always start is at least build a relational awareness of who's there, what are they up against, mm-hmm. what do they mm-hmm. maybe need? Do they need a week off preaching? Could, could you help that way? Do they need um, connections with students and you have some that go or vice versa, but I, I'd always see like what is mm-hmm. going and how can you then be a part of it to add value because sometimes there's sustainable long-term ministers, like I think of our campus, mm-hmm. the first thing we did is we sat down with Jamie Miller. He had been there at the time, I think 14 years. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know like, hey, we're the new kids on the block. This is actually your turf, your territory. He goes, I've been praying for workers of the harvest. You guys are an answer to prayer. Here's mm-hmm. the first good check that anyone's given you. Here's the first resources to launch your campus ministry, to start evangelism on this campus, right. to start discipleship efforts. It actually wouldn't have been possible without him first, right? Going before us, but also even helping provide. And I just look at like I want to be like Jamie Miller in yeah. Kingdom Mindset. And sometimes we hear the opposite, where a veteran is on campus, and then somebody new comes into town,
0: or a big church. That's a big like, church we maybe sweeps in, yeah,
1: and they do the thing, and that leader leaves after a year and a half, and here they swept up all the leaders, and kind of the thing got wiped out from under them, and then you have a discouraged campus ministry leader. And that's not always the case, but I think those are a few of the dynamics that can be a place when we reach out relationally. Mm -hmm. It shows like, hey, there's thousands of students, we can definitely go after them, but we're better together. What would you say?
0: Right. I would say one thing that our the University of Minnesota does here and Chi Alpha teams up with them and I think this is so neat and so amazing is actually the Chi Alpha team, so let say there's like sixty students and everything or a hundred or whatever, they actually volunteer when the freshmen move in that weekend and they help the students, the oncoming freshmen, move into their dorms. So they're making that connection with the students that are going to be the upcoming class on campus. So it's a ministry that comes in, serves for a weekend, literally helps people move in wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, and amazing things have come of that. And granted, they are like already a functioning campus ministry. but then the school expects that, because the school will be like, well, where's your team of people? And they're like, oh, well, we actually have 200 people to help us here. Oh, amazing. So you're on this big secular campus with over 55,000 students, and there's this expectation that Chi Alpha is gonna be um, a volunteer sponsor that initial weekend or at, um, what is it called? Uh, Brent Silky's Welcome Week. So it's just, I think, where you can be the hands and feet of Christ to lift up the arms of the other campuses maybe first, um, one thing fun thing that we're not allowed to do but I've always dreamt of doing is to serve the students with a food truck or a big like fro-yo truck like How can we just get on the campus and just serve these students for three hours during finals week like We'll cover the charge but come and they come out to us and we just get a minister to them That's been my dream. We have not been able to do that, but just thinking of like hey, how can we serve How can we sponsor? How can we support the current people, like Josiah said? But also, if God were to call you to be another on site, like campus ministry. Befriend and become friends with the other people who are already there to say like, Hey, we're not a threat. We want to learn from you. We just want to be another extension for Christ and for his his kingdom. Like you had said already, Dallas, we're all the same team. Exactly. We shouldn't be mm-hmm. fighting over the students because guess what? Young adults aren't going anywhere. They're gonna they're they're here to stay, right? And they're just gonna yeah. keep coming. So mm-hmm.
1: I don't
0: know if that's helpful, but those are some things no. that kind of toss around in my Super mind. helpful.
1: <laughs> Love that question and um You know, back to you, Dallas, I just ask you this, like if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Strategic, leader.
2: Um, My wife may may disagree with this sometimes. Listener.
0: All right, that's good.
2: I always want to... listen to volunteers first before, before I move and and do anything there, I will listen. I will get all the information needed, the survey, the sit down, all the information, and then go and make a decision before I do anything.
0: That's good. That's rare. I'll say that right there as a leader. Okay. Question number five, the final thought of the day, Dallas, if you could leave the listener with one piece of encouragement, what would you say to, to them today?
2: Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's helping people see that they are made in the image of God. Uh, One thing that we are, that we are walking through specifically right now is, is helping people go and seek forgiveness and it's calling people out into that vulnerable moment. We had a whole talk on forgiveness. I shared my story and how I am the worst at forgiveness. That's, that's my story for another day. Uh, And we did an altar call of who needs who needs to extend forgiveness. And the the overarching prayer was pray when you have conflict with someone that they are made in God's image. That every time I see people, I might have conflict with that dude that's walking up. And it's a quick prayer, Lord, help me see this person made in the image of you, that their blood covers you the same way that it covers me. So it's it's helping even that volunteer who's driving you nuts that volunteer who's overstepping boundaries, that volunteer who is texting all the time, like, can you please stop? Pray, Lord, help me see, insert person's name as made in the image. They are made in your image and that your blood covers them the same way that does me. It, it helps me remain humble. That's the prayer that I'm praying for people. That's the prayer that I'm teaching my people as well.
0: I love it. That's a great thing to leave us on as a challenging thought as well as an approach, right, as well as a listener hopefully today. So pray that we see people in the image of Christ. That's so good.
1: Freely we've been forgiven, so freely we forgive and Mm -hmm. Dallas man you're so enjoyable we loved our time with you thanks for investing in the community of young adult ministry leaders and uh, if you guys want to find out more about Dallas Viva Mm -hmm. Mariners Church and singles 20s 30s the college ministry or the single ministry there you can check it out in the show notes and young adults not today but until next time this is Josiah Micah with Dallas thanks again man
2: thank you
0: Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.
1: me I'm getting charged up right now,